0: Well, amen. Good morning, First Baptist family. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. First off, I want to begin by saying thank you, Pastor Ricky, choir, praise team, for leading us in that time of praise. What beautiful worship we've had over the past few weeks. I'm grateful for the emphasis that Ricky has brought us through, hearing wonderful psalms and, and hymns of the faith. James chapter 2. Church, um, last week I kind of confessed that before I preached the text, it was one of those that God really used to to whip up on me pretty good. Um, I have to confess, this is another one of those texts. When you come to James chapter 2, James chapter 2 especially as we'll study this morning, verses 14 through 26, you come to this part of James you really begin to see that we're 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 at the crux of the matter here we're we're at what is most important in the book of James all throughout James as we've seen to this point we're we're very clear the scripture's clear that we are we're called to be a people who live out our faith in the midst of suffering in the midst of whatever in trials in the midst of whatever's going on that That there is a real responsibility as the people of God to live out our faith before others. We come to James chapter 2, begin reading here in a moment in verse 14. We're faced with a a stark reality. In James chapter 2, the end of the chapter, we see a truth that is just it's straightforward, it's poignant that that genuine faith in Jesus as the savior is evidenced more by by what we do than it's evidenced by by what we what we claim or what we might even say genuine faith in the lord jesus christ having a true personal relationship with him will hear me will always result in his people living out their faith faithfully for others to see. Now, I know right now as we begin the passage, you might be saying, what, what happens if we make a mistake? Well, I've got news for you. You're going to make them. I'm going to make them. We're going to continue to make mistakes. We're going to continue to struggle. We're going to continue to labor in this life and labor in a way that we're daily taking up the cross of Christ and denying ourselves and following after Him and living out the realities of our faith for everyone to see. It is going to be arduous. It is going to be difficult. It's going to be a real task and labor of love. But true faith... True faith, genuine faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, as James teaches us here, always results in a faith that's evidenced by what we do and not simply or not solely by what we say. In this chapter, James describes a faith that ultimately has the appearance of life, but it's actually dead. In other words, we, we can say what, what we do reveals the reality of who we are now in Christ. Let me ask you, any, any Walking Dead fans out there? Don't be ashamed. I know we're in a church, right? And be like, mm, I don't, should I raise my hand on that? Look, I, I'll be honest. And now I, I made you raise your hands and I'm going to say, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> it, it's, it's okay if you watch it. I'm not, I'm not, not judging you in any way. Um, I'm just not a big fan. I'll be honest, I'm not crazy about The Walking Dead just because I'm not scared of zombies or anything like that. To me, it's just kind of creepy and gross. I I just don't like looking at what people say are zombies. Well, I got sad news. You see, right now we're living in the midst of what I sometimes call a zombie faith apocalypse. Right now, we're, we're living in a time where people, people are walking around and they act as if there's an evidence of life. And as James tells us, that our actions reveal the truth of the life that's in us. And, and we have people who are, who are speaking as if they have, have the life. But, but when you look at them and you watch them, they really are walking around like a bunch of zombies, really not doing anything. Zombies, or what people say are zombies, are actually dead, but look as if they have some kind of life. Well, instead of the walking dead, I like to refer to people who profess to have faith in Jesus Christ yet really do nothing for His glory. I like to call them the talking dead. We say it. We say it loud. We sometimes say it proud. We want people to know that we're professing believers, especially when we show up to church on Sunday. But as soon as we walk out the doors... As soon as we find ourselves in places in the world, as soon as we find ourselves around people who may not have a lot of affection towards believers, all of a sudden our actions, and at that point also maybe even our words, they they begin to be suppressed because there's really a lack of genuine faith. There's a danger in that, church. There's a danger in that. There's a great reality. It's here, it's, it's, we're living amongst it, and it's been around since the day of James, and now we'll see in this passage the challenge that the Lord Jesus gives to us this morning. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and join me in James chapter 2, I'm going to ask you if you'll stand in honor of reading God's Word, we'll pick up in verse 14. James 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. Listen to what James says again. In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself by itself verse 18 but someone will say you have faith and I have works show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works you believe that God is one good you believe it even the demons believe and at least they're wise enough to shudder senseless person are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active together with his works and by works faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and, was, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not Rahab, the prostitute, also justified by works in receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Would you pray with me? Gracious loving Father, I ask that as we dig into your word this morning that, Lord, you Lord, you would make it clear. Use me in my frailty as I handle your word. I pray for accuracy. I pray for clear interpretation. I pray, Lord, that you would illumine our minds to understand what this text means. Lord, in light of other scripture, how we live in this balance and what the word says. Lord, help us not to to be confused. And help us, Lord, not even to live in fear. But, Lord, help us to see that that indeed you have saved us for a great and, and mighty purpose. Help us, Lord, to live our lives fully surrendered for you. So that in the end you might receive all the glory and honor and praise that is due you and you alone. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Maybe may be seated. You see this morning where James picks up as he gives us this warning of the talking dead. He gives us this warning that there, there are those then and they're still around today that, that there are the talking dead that are amongst us. You see in this passage, James addresses a person. Many scholars believe maybe he's an imaginary person. But he addresses a person who, who claims to have faith, but in the end has no deeds. A, a person who claims that you can separate faith from works. A person who says, well, you know, I, I, I believe, I have faith, but, but I don't have to do anything now, right? I just, I just have received that faith and, and now I'm all good. James begins to give this warning it was an issue that was that was common throughout James's day and so he deals with the issue head on he just i mean he just goes straight to the, straight to the problem straight to the issue that was facing him and his day now listen we have to be very careful how we deal with this text because the possibilities for misunderstanding and misinterpretation are very serious unfortunately there have been many who have preached a Uh, an inaccurate gospel based off of James 2. There, There have been those that have tried to make this argument that, well, really then, in order to receive salvation, you have to have faith and works. There's a danger in that. In fact, when we read James chapter 2, we, we, have to, we have to look at James chapter 2, and not not just in the immediate context, but in the context of all Scripture. You see, what James does here is he teaches that true saving faith is a, is a transforming force. When we trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we're transformed into His image and, and He begins to, He sends the Holy Spirit immediately at that moment into our life and, and the Holy Spirit begins to, to change us from the, from the inside out so much that when we look more and more like Jesus, the very actions and the words that we speak, things just, it just oozes out of us, the, the change that has already been brought to us through faith in Christ. The Bible, the Bible tells us We're clearly saved by faith, yet our lives should be characterized by faithful works. And if it's not, if our lives are not characterized by that, then then the danger that James says is, then it really, it's probably a dead faith. It's probably that zombie faith that walks around and people believe is real. We have to see it in its context of all the Bible We have to understand, first off, how James compares to what Paul wrote because there's oftentimes where people say, well, there's a contradiction in the Bible here. Well, can I I just go ahead and say it this way? There's not a contradiction. There's actually a compliment. Look look at what the Scripture says in Romans chapter 3. You'll see it on the screen. Romans chapter 3, verse 28. Paul, writing to the church at Rome, says, For we conclude that a person is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Someone is brought into the right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, not by what they do, not by what they say, not, not it's just, we, we, can't, we can't be good enough, we can't do enough, we can't earn it. We have technically no right to it. We're, we're simply saved by God's grace through faith, not of works so that none of us may boast. Ephesians 2. Exactly what Paul tells the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 2, you'll see it on the screen, verses 8 through 9. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Look, we can't get any more clear than that right there. So, so if you ever meet someone who says that you, you, you receive salvation by, yes, believing, but also going through certain steps. By, by going to see the priest. By paying a little extra money here or there. If, 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 you, if you ever hear someone say that, that you're saved by, by believing in Jesus and, and also feeding the poor, taking care of widows and orphans, that, that's necessary to receive salvation, then someone's preaching to you a false gospel. Now, does the Bible talk about taking care of widows and orphans? Have, has James not already addressed that in what we've studied thus far in the book of James? Absolutely. Well, so then, so then what's going on here? You see, James teaches that salvation by faith results in holy living. This, this does not oppose Paul's teachings. It actually complements his teaching. The two teachings really like they go hand in hand. It's the right hand and the left hand. It's the truth of God's gospel. And we bring these two truths together. In order to understand what's going on in both of those texts, again, you have to understand what was happening in the immediate context. Paul was, was battling people who believed that they could earn salvation simply by their good works. That's the people that Paul was addressing. There are some of those people in this world today. There are a whole lot of those people in the United States of America today. You want to go to heaven? Yep. You think you're going to go to heaven? Absolutely. Really, that's good. How do you know you're going to go to heaven? Because I do more good than I do bad. Right? I mean, have you heard it? It may not be voiced exactly like that, but I actually have heard it voiced just like that. Well, if you were to die right now and you found yourself before the Lord God Almighty and He were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? I, it's like the scales of justice, right? I, I did more good than I did bad. Yeah, I made my mistakes, but I really tried to be good. So certainly a good and loving God would receive me into His glory. You see, there's a problem with that thinking because the scripture is very clear that we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That even our good works, in and of themselves, is like dirty, filthy rags before a holy and righteous God. The wages of those sin leads to death. Every one of us deserves separation. But the good news of the gospel is the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But God gives it to you. He offers it freely. If you will trust in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, you don't have to do good works. You don't have to get your life straight before you come to God. You ever heard that? I don't want to do it right now. Why not? I, I just, I got to get some things straight in my life before I make that decision. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> what, what are you going to get right? You're just going to keep stumbling and, and going through life with, with no hope and joy. Trust in Him. Trust in Christ. God proves His love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There's good news in the gospel. That's the people that Paul was addressing in his immediate context. Well, so, so then who is, James, who is James battling? You see, James, James was battling people who believed that once they professed, once they spoke, once they acted as if they had trusted Jesus, once they just simply said that they were saved, it didn't matter what they did. It, it, it gave them a, a false assurance so that they continued to live and act and look just like the world. They were the talking dead. You met anybody like that? So let me tell you about the love of Jesus. I'm concerned about you. Well, that's all right. I already know Jesus. Really? That's great. Tell me what you mean by that. Well, I, I, walked, I walked down an aisle. I, listen. Listen. I walked down an aisle in a Baptist church when I was 9, 10 years old. The preacher was saying something, I really don't remember, but I went up there because my buddies were up there. And I heard him saying, but, but you know, I didn't really fully understand, but, but, I, but I walked down an aisle in a Baptist church. And then the next thing that I did, I got, t- I got dunked in a, in a tank like that right over there. I went swimming for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. That's how I know I'm saved. Really? Did Did you... Did you offer your life to the Lord Jesus Christ? I know He offered you salvation freely. I know it's something that you can't earn and you don't deserve, but but in that process, did you, did you truly confess your sins, repent of your sins, turn from your sins, and offer the Lord Jesus Christ your life? Did you surrender your life to Him? Do you know what it means to have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? Today, are you surrendering your life to Him and trying to every each and every day walk in a way that brings glory to Him? I I know, you're, I know you'll stumble. I know you'll have faults. So do I. But, but are you are you striving to live for the glory of God? Nope. No, I don't have time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. I'm having too much fun. I, I like this sin. I know it's a sin. But but I But I keep coming back to it because, man, it just brings me joy and pleasure. I know the Bible says that it's wrong. But, you know, the Bible was written 2,000 years ago. Do we still have to live by that? Wait a minute. Did you say that you're a follower of Jesus? That's the people that James was talking to. Paul was talking to one group. James was talking to the other. This, this, this man's so-called faith here in James 2, it was dead and worthless. We could say it this way. It did not save. Or maybe we can say it this way. It just did not work. Pun intended. It, it just didn't work. It didn't catch. How do we know that? It didn't work. Because it wasn't evidenced by any work. Look closely at how James says it. You see it there in verse 14? What does verse 14 say? What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say if someone has faith. He asked the question, what good is it if someone claims to have faith? What what good is it if someone says they have faith, but then they don't have works to evidence that faith? Many, many people were professing Christ one day and then returning to their worldly ways the next with no evidence of God's grace in their lives. Sounds like New Orleans, Louisiana. They talked. They talked as if they had faith, yet they walked as if their faith was dead. They were truly the talking dead. So what does James say in response to these people? Well, he uses a very common illustration. Look at verses 15 and 16. If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and, and one of you says to them, go in peace and stay warm and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? You know the obvious answer to that question, right? I mean, he's asking a question. We might say it's a rhetorical question, but, it's, but it, the, the, the answer is clear. I mean, if these people who are poor have no way to feed themselves or clothe themselves, if they, had, if they had a way of actually doing that, then they wouldn't need someone to say, hey, go do it. So they're clearly poor. They're re- they clearly can't take care of themselves. What good is it if we say, hey, you know, you just need to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Make something of yourself. Go find a coat. Go put it on. Go feed yourself. Come on, man. Start shaping up. Come on, you just got to be tough. What good is it if we say that when the obvious... It is no good. Pick up in verse 17. In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. It reminds me of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 7. You'll see it on the screen. Matthew chapter 7, verse 20 through 21. So... You'll recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only those who does the will of my Father in heaven. You see, just just like James, Jesus says that, here, listen to what he says. This is Jesus speaking here. Faith in our hearts is evidenced by the fruit of our lives. Faith that is genuine and is real and is, and is a result of just His grace and favor and not works that we do, right? That time we receive it. But, but faith that is genuine and real is then evidenced by the fruit that our lives bear. So clearly, Jesus and James agree. Clearly, they are on the same page, just like James. Jesus says... Our actions do matter. They reveal the truth of what's happened in our lives. Verse 18, this is one of those sometimes, again, just slaps people in the face. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I'll show you faith by my works. I was trying to think of what, what exactly is James saying here? I, I, I figured the best, way, the best way I know how to translate this, James is basically saying, show me a true faith without works if you can. Good luck with it. But just start, show me. You say you have faith, then, then, then show me. If Show me a, a true faith without works. Just, just good luck with it. In the meantime, I'll simply allow my daily life to prove that my faith is a genuine saving faith. Verse 19 serves as a warning. You believe that God is one, good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Look, what, what is James doing here? They, well, it, sounds like he's, it sounds like he's kind of shifting gears in a sense. No, he's really not. He's, he's, he's acknowledging that, that a simple head knowledge of who God is, that's just not good enough. Because even the demons have a knowledge of who God is and who Christ is. Even demons understand who God is. They don't worship Him. They don't praise Him. They don't live for Him. But they know exactly who He is. There's a lot of zombies walking around that say, I know God. I know Jesus. that's, That's good. You're I don't know if we should even say halfway there. You're you're, you're on the right path. But have you trust in him? Do do you have a personal relationship with Him? Do do you know what it means to have a Savior who loves you and forgives you and and forgives you of your sins and casts them as far as the east is from the west? Do you know what it means to have a relationship with a God who will no longer keep writing down your sins? Do you know what it means to have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life that will never be erased? Do you know what it means to place all of your hope in joy in the one who loves you regardless of who you are and what you've done. Do you know that? Because if you just simply know God then there's a chance you're still a part of the talking day. Look at verse 20. That's the, that's, that's the, the, the condemning question. Senseless person. Are you willing to learn that faith without works Is useless. Now hear me, come in real close, because I know the first part of this passage, I mean, it's just right up in your face, isn't it? There's that warning, I guess you'd say, of the talking dead. But there's good news, because there's more to the passage. Not only do we see the, the talking dead, but ultimately what we see here is the walking faith. Those who are ultimately walking and living out their faith. The walking faith, pick up in verse 21. It says, wasn't Abraham our father justified by works in offering Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was active. Faith was active together with his works. And by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. Let's pause there for a second. Whenever you read these verses, it, again, sometimes there have been those who said it contradicts what, what Scripture says elsewhere. Paul in Romans chapter 4, you'll see it on the screen. In Romans chapter 4, Paul writing to the church at Rome again. He says something that, again, outward appearance, like, what? That doesn't make sense with what James just says. But again, it's not a contradiction, it's actually a compliment. Romans 4, verse 1 through 5. What then will we say? That Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, has found. What was it that Abraham has found? If Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed in God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, pay is not credited as a gift, but as something owed. But to the one who does not work, but believes on him who declares the ungodly to be righteous, his faith is credited for righteousness. Again, outward appearance. When you first look at it, if you don't see those passages in the context and interpret them in light of each other, some people are, have a misunderstanding. The fact of the matter is there's no contradiction. The word justified here it has two general meanings. One way we use justified, not just here, but elsewhere, is declaring, declaring and treating a person as righteous. We speak of justification as that first step of salvation. In the doctrine of salvation, we talk about justification, sanctification, and glorification. We pray and receive Jesus Christ, and at that very moment, we are justified before a holy God. We didn't deserve it, we didn't earn it, but God gave it to us freely. We were adopted into the family of God, and at that moment, we became co-heirs with Jesus. If you genuinely prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you surrendered your life to Him, I can't judge that. But if you did that, don't be afraid, because at that moment, even this passage isn't written to make you fear, because at that moment, you were justified and declared righteous before God Almighty. Sanctification is the idea that even now we're continuing to grow in aspects of our salvation. The Bible says that we've been made perfect before the sight of God, but that's not because of who we are and what we've done. That's because we've been covered with the blood of Jesus. We still struggle, we still stumble, we still fall, we still fail. But we're being sanctified, growing in respect to our salvation. One of these days, we're going to stand before God Almighty, and He's just going to look at us and see us as an adopted son. And there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, and guess what? Not even the presence of sin in our life. When Jesus came, he broke the power of sin in our life, but presence is still around. But that day we'll stand before God Almighty and we'll be glorified. That's our glorification. Justification is that first instantaneous moment that we're brought into a covenant relationship with God Almighty. There's that aspect here in these passages that, that justified means that he's declaring and treating us as righteous. But there's a second part to the understanding of, of justification. It's, it's what we talk about even outside of the Bible, that someone was justified. when they, It is a proof of righteousness. This justification also can be the proof of righteousness that even might have been unearned and undeserved. Abraham was declared righteous many years before, according to Genesis 15. When he offered Isaac up on the altar, he was, he was declared righteous before that. So this justified was the proof of his righteousness. When Abraham offered up his son and, and God intervened, that's not what saved him. That was the evidence of God already declaring him as righteous. That was the evidence of God already saying, Hey Abram, I've got a job for you. Who? Me? God? What are you talking about? I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think you got this right. I choose you. He was justified in that way. But then. He does this action, and it, and it proves his justification. The same can be said about Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. There, where you say, why are you talking about Rahab? Look again at verse 24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. That's the that proof. Their, their, their faith is proved by that justification. In the same way, wasn't Rahab the prostitute also justified by works and receiving the messengers and sending them out by a different route? This Rahab, she helped the Israelite spies, right, escape. What was going on? She, she had already believed. She already had faith that God had a great plan for Israel. So then she acted upon that, that certainty of God's providence and God's, and God's moving in the situation. Her actions proved her justification. James in this passage he gives us these examples of two people who were the walking faith now if we really started to dig in we could see i'm sure uh, we know abraham for sure but maybe even rahab if we well obviously rahab was she was called out of a out of a rough life right a rough situation you can read about her later she she'd fit in well in the city of new orleans she, she, was, she was caught out of a rough situation. Abraham, I mean, look, dude was just rough all around the edges anyways. We, we can see these people who, who weren't, weren't good enough, weren't smart enough, who, who weren't liked enough. God chose them. He says, I'm, I'm going to show you my favor, and I'm going to use you for my glory. And their actions began to prove the relationship they already had with God. And they were walking faithfully. I'm sure at times still stumbling, still still making mistakes, but they were walking faithfully, step after step after step after step. And the people of God said, there's someone, there's someone, whose life is evidence of their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ending with verse 26. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Hear me. It cannot be stressed enough that no one can be saved by good works. I know that's not specifically what James is addressing here, but it, it cannot, that's obviously Pauline theology. But 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 James doesn't disagree with it. It absolutely cannot be stressed enough that that no one can be saved by good works. Salvation is entirely by grace alone, through faith alone. That is how we receive salvation. This morning, if you're here and you say, I, I'm, I'm confused. Let me explain it really quickly and really simply. You've heard it, but one more time, Romans six twenty three: The wages of your sin is death. You deserve to be separated from a loving God. But the good news of the gospel. Is the free gift of God through, salvation, through, through Jesus Christ the Lord. That's If you will repent of your sins, if you'll acknowledge who you are, you'll acknowledge your shortcomings, you'll acknowledge your failure, if you'll just pray and trust and, and receive Christ and, and surrender your life to Him, give Him your all, it costs you absolutely nothing other than you repenting of your sins and trusting in Him. I cannot stress it enough. You see, we live in a very heavily Catholic culture where some believe, and let's just be honest, if you really want to study Catholic theology, where it's even, it's even taught that salvation is a result of faith and good works, we live in a society where many people have been raised on that understanding. Yes, you can be saved. And yes, it comes through faith, but it's faith and something. I'm not trying to step on toes. I'm not trying to, be, trying to, not trying to disregard. We, we can talk about all the councils. We can, I, 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 I've, I, I'll sit and have that conversation with you sometime. But, but, it, but it's not just a Catholic culture. It's, just, it's our world. It's our Western society. That there are many, many people who believe that in order to be saved, you trust in Jesus and you have to do certain things. If you do those together, then you receive salvation. The scripture is very clear. Salvation comes by God's grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, period. But the reason why some churches and Some people think otherwise is because they misunderstand passages like this, James chapter 2. Even though I can't emphasize enough that, that, that no one can be saved by good works, at the same time, neither can it be stressed enough that faith, if it has no good works, is dead by itself. You don't receive salvation by trusting in Jesus and doing anything. You receive it freely. But if you truly receive it, James says, then your life should prove it. Salvation cost us nothing. To receive it cost us nothing. After that, there's no other way to say it. After we receive it, we should have the understanding that it should cost us everything. Catch it? There's a lot of talking dead walking around us today. When the scripture clears that we need to be a walking faith, faith without good works is dead. Works without faith lead to death. So I want to ask you a question, a couple questions. How how do you know that you've been saved? How do you know that? Is your confidence placed in Christ and Christ alone? How do you know? I'm not questioning you personally because I I can't, I'm not your judge. I can't, nobody in this, even the person sitting here, nobody can judge you. I, I don't know how to do it. How do you know that you've been saved? Are you relying upon good works? Are you one of those people this morning who says, I, I, I feel certain that I'm saved because of my good works. Even the person who feels pretty certain that they've trusted in Jesus, we still can fall into that trap. Well, the only way I know it is because of my good works. No, no, even that's not true. It's still placed in God's grace and faith in Christ, and Christ alone. That's where our hope comes from. That's where our certainty comes from. That's where our joy belongs. Are you relying upon good works to get you into heaven? Or, or have you truly received Christ by faith alone? Are you a zombie? Are, are you one of those who says, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going to keep living like I want to live. I'll try to do some good works here and there, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to just presume upon the grace of God. Paul jumps in in Romans 6. You want to talk about some Pauline literature? He says, How should we who've died to sin continue to live in it? Shall we who've died to sin continue to live in the voice of the Word, where we just we presume upon the grace of God? You know what Paul says? Absolutely not. So that's clearly where Paul agrees with James. Are are you a zombie saying you have faith but doing absolutely nothing to prove it? And, And maybe your life would disprove it. Do your works prove that you have true saving faith? Church, this is a serious matter. It is a serious matter. We can be a people who live confidently in God's grace, living for His glory, seeking to please Him, delighting in Him fully, finding all of our joy in Him and in Him alone. We have that ability now because He's given us that ability. And as we walk deeply and intimately with Him, then we'll naturally do things like take care of the poor. And specifically, James has talked about provide for widows, take care of orphans, feed the poor, clothe them. Those are just a few examples, of many things that we can do as believers to evidence our faith. It won't save us, but we can evidence our faith. Don't fall into the trap that we have to do things to earn our salvation or to even keep it. Just live for the glory of God each and every day. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for your kindness. Lord, I pray now as we dive into this time of commitment. Lord, I pray that you would just you would speak to our hearts continually. Lord, right now, if there's anyone here this morning who is still struggling with what it means to receive justification, to be justified before a holy and righteous God, someone who still doesn't understand what salvation is based upon. Lord, I pray that that right now the Holy Spirit, you would move them to come forward and speak to one of us here at the front. Lord, they confess their sins, repent of their sins, and trust in Christ and receive salvation. Lord, I also pray that we as your people would be serious about living out our faith. Lord, not walking around on eggshells and and constantly worrying about the works that we do, but Lord, that it would just be a natural outflow of of the fruit of the Spirit in our life. That Lord, we we as your people, as we take up our cross daily and deny ourselves and walk after you, that we would care more about the people around us, that we would have a a burden for the lost that that we would we would be moved and and stirred by by the orphan and the widow the poor lord what we're asking is lord you you give us your eyes you give us your hands you give us your feet teach us lord how to love the way you first loved us lord we we acknowledge that we still fall short we acknowledge that we Struggle, but Lord, I pray that you would help us, Your people, to recommit today to live a life that brings glory to you and you alone. Lord, speak to our hearts, move in our lives now, do a work in us as we commit to surrender all to you this day. And we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Amen. I'm gonna.